and welcome to the Shriekcast. I'm your host, ZC. And I'm Liz. And Liz, we're done. We we defeated the evil. Uh, the Chamber of Secrets has been closed. The book is over. And we're through. Except not really. Uh. Yeah. Um, before we move on to the Prisoner of Azkaban, we have taken a little detour to check out the Chamber of Secrets movie, which will be the main thing this episode. But before we get to that... Uh, We've had a little bit of a video game adventure like last time, and once again, I think you got the short end of the stick here. Yeah, it was a big mistake. I, I, uh, you know, found, looked up how many Chamber of Secrets games there were, and I thought, there's no way the Game Boy Advance game can be as bad as the Game Boy Advance Sorcerer's Stone, which in retrospect is kind of a a silly thing to assume. (laughs) Uh, I played it for maybe 20 minutes before I gave up. Uh, I, I, I did a, a considerable effort for the Game Boy Advance game for Sorcerer's Stone. I got pretty far until the puzzles just just became frustrating. You this pushed one, a lot of eggs around in the in I did. first game. Lot, lots of rolling eggs, lots of um, uh, logs that needed to be put on, on switches, and many flipendos were cast. Uh, I didn't do so well. For the Chamber of Secrets game, I get—I guess uh, there there was a little intro cinematic, like the same style, like storybook that literally just lifted lines from the book, but then it just ushers you into Diagon Alley after like a short little uh, Nocturne Alley cut scene. I don't even want to call it a cut scene. It was just <laughs> dialogue like, happens at you. Dialogue happens at you, and then in true. Harry Potter video game fashion, it was that you have to buy your school supplies, but you don't have any money, and you have to go to Gringotts, which has been transformed into some kind of dungeon, and... Which, just saying the word Harry Potter video game Gringotts, like, that conjures up some dark energy for me. Yeah, I feel like maybe that's why I didn't get very far. Obviously, this was the beginning of the game, so it it probably wasn't wasn't that hard, but I was just having flashbacks from Gringotts on the PlayStation game, and and I don't know what it is about Gringotts that inspires just maybe the worst level design of any <laughs> video game ever made. It, it is a cursed location, and you you go so you go in, and the goblin at the door says, "Well, our our um, mine carts or whatever whatever they are." are broken down. So you're going to have to go into the the underground area with all the vaults and retrieve some money that you find. It doesn't Which tell that's you how banks work. <laughs> that is how banks work. Uh, if the roller coaster isn't working, just go go down into the vault and just pick up, you know, what money is is lying around. Um so you go down and it's a fire level. Just I, I guess I, I don't know where that's coming from. And there are fireballs and there are barrels and like moving platforms because it's a Game Boy Advance action kind of adventure type isometric style game. And and there are nuts, as in canuts, the currency. Yeah. And they're hidden in barrels and things, but you didn't get any instruction. There's no, oh, you need to collect some number number of these. 
So you're walking around and you're kind of doing these like little like environmental puzzles to get to get the nuts. And then you get uh-huh. far and then you okay, I just I'm losing my mind because you like you get far enough, it doesn't update you about your progress or anything like that. And then you run into another goblin and he says, Oh, you're gonna need the incendio spell to get into your vault because there's cobwebs over <laughs> the entrance that you can't pass, which gotta say, as far as I mean this is a this is a classic, right? This is this is the Ocarina of Time, you know. Oh, there's a cobweb in the way. I have to light it on fire to to get to my. But it's just ugh. so. Cobweb, here's the thing: the the image <laughs> of like a cobweb on a vault door, like the fact that you need magic fire to get rid of that, as opposed to like I don't know, like a broom or something. Like like it's a cobweb. It's it's not a. Like, here's the thing, if they they even had an easy out here, right? Like, Chamber of Secrets already has actual giant spiders in it. They could have said, like, <laughs> oh, there's a giant spider in the loose and its silk is too strong to, to, to brush away with anything but magic. But no, it's just like a fucking cobweb. Yeah, so, it's, so it says, like, okay, you need the Incendio spell, which is in a different vault for some reason. Uh, so, Go take yeah, that, someone that's... else's Incendio spell. <laughs> Hey, I've hidden in their vault. Uh, but super unlucky, you need gems to open the vault. Oh, that's and, what the gems are for. And it's, and it's just... Uh, so you've been collecting these nuts, and now all of a sudden you need gems. You have no idea what your progress is, and you're going around and just these absolutely dreadful environmental puzzles. There are fireballs, you know... Uh, attacking you for some reason and there are fire turtles which is another mainstay of all of these games <laughs> the game um, lore continues i guess so so you get the incendio spell you burn the cobwebs after after all of this you walk into your vault and there's just a little cutscene where harry says Oh, I'll just take a galley and that should be enough for my school books. <laughs> what were the uh, nuts for? Yeah, what were what were the nuts for? And like one you imagine like going to your like magic wizard bank and just saying, like, I just need one coin, please. Like <sighs> God. What? So I stopped playing. Um honestly, this is I do not blame you. This is barely a Harry Potter game. Like there are there are small cutscenes where I, I guess some text is just lifted from the book to kind of give you some semblance of the story and give you some context from what you're doing. Uh, the environments and nothing about what you're doing in the game is related to Harry Potter, aside from I guess you have some spells. But th- I mean, you That's might as well very... have a gun. Very good character portraits. Oh, yeah. Beautiful character portraits. Ginny is there um, in Diagon Alley, which I have to say, standout moment in the game where Ginny says, oh, I can't afford my my school things. And you, Harry, say, oh, I'll get them for you, Ginny. So it's so nice. That's that's so nice. Should have been in the between. We'll we'll uh, we'll get to this in our movie episode. But between the games and the movie, it feels like a lot of people did some heavy lifting to fix the book. Uh, yeah, they're rehabilitating Harry a little bit in his <laughs> his characterization. So I I continued and I watched a little bit of a of a YouTube like long playthrough of the Game Boy game. But it really is just these horrible horrible like 
Game Boy Advance style puzzles that I just have absolutely no patience for and are so like far removed from anything to do with Harry Potter and, and are just painful. Favorite, yeah. I, I, it's, it's weird going back to the, the Game Boy Advance as a like, like, cause the Game Boy Advance existed for like, I mean, it existed for a long time, but it's like, it's like prime years before the Nintendo DS came out and kind of took its thunder was 2001 to 2004 and so it mm-hmm. really is just a dumping ground for like this kind of licensed game like yeah you go and look at like what they're like what all the releases were year by year for the game boy advance and so many of them are like movie and tv show tie-ins it is it is ridiculous and they they're all these sort of like generic platformer action things that have just been like given a little touch of paint to be the thing it says on the box you know it's it's that style of licensed game is just gone which is a good thing i think because they were all i I, it was i think you said in the last last time we did one of these episodes that they are like grandparent bait right like oh yeah yeah or even or even for parents like i have such a vivid image of like a kid having to go on a road trip and like mom and dad saying like oh we'll go pick you out a game at target and and they they get you the like chamber of secrets game Uh to to, like sit sit in the back of the car and shut (laughs) up and play your play your chamber of secrets game worm light (laughs) i miss the worm light um yeah uh my favorite thing about the game this this game boy advance game uh the video footage you sent me is that um so like it's an isometric platformer, which is maybe the worst possible angle. Awful, just terrible. Um, uh-huh. And the thing that really hammers that home is that since it's a two D game, but it's you know an isometric perspective, you need a shadow, a drop shadow under a character <laughs> at all times to understand where they are occupying, you know, physical space. You know, like I mean that's that was the thing that was the key thing in. Um, that they figured out when they were developing Mario 64 was that like, even though it wasn't realistic, having a drop shadow under Mario meant that you could always at least tell where he was in a 3d space. Sure. And I feel like that's even more important in an isometric game where you can't, you have no camera control and you're really just looking at a like art slash camera trick to see, (laughs) see it be isometric quote unquote. Yeah. So, Here's the thing. They did a good job. They put that, you know, the jump animation is wild for one thing, but it does have a drop (laughs) shadow underneath it. So you can see where Harry is, except that like half the footage that I was watching took place in a level where there were walls in front of where the shadow would be. And you could (laughs) not see where the fuck Harry actually was. And it just it looked painful. Like it, it actually made my brain hurt a little bit to watch this because I could not track where the character, well, like what I was supposed to be looking at, where I was supposed to be looking at any given moment. Yeah, like credit where credit is due. The Sorcerer Stone Game Boy Advance game did not h- hurt my eyes and brain. <laughs> That's all <laughs> we can hope for. And this through. one really did. Like I just, I partially, partially I stopped because the game was just fucking awful partially just because it was like giving me a headache because harry is like sometimes in the center of the screen but not always and and looking ahead at some of the other game footage 
there are these like platforming challenges they're called bean challenges because you're getting yeah. birdie bots beans and and you're in and and if you can imagine it uh that like isometric perspective where the environment that you're in and the rooms that you're in are cut out mm-hmm. uh in that style to make them look 3d and kind of and show the like depth to the level and things but then there's instead of just having like a black background there is this horrible like pixel background and one of them is like a swirl of fire and one of them is like a starry night screen but instead of just having them be still backgrounds they rotate like 360 degrees psychedelic it's so disorienting to look at it's 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 uh it's really something yeah so don't play that game it sucks no i i um i won't so I played the the Game Boy Color game again. Lucky, uh, yeah. Uh, that's a game that I think I will actually play. Maybe that's one we should play for a, a let's play or something because it seems like actually good. And I actually kind of wanted to like keep actually playing it because it like the the Sorcerer Stone one was pretty okay. Um, and this sure. just feels like a a better version of that. Like I got to the burrow and it was like the burrow is kind of your first hub world thing and you go around and do some side quests and learn how to uh do your jrpg battle stuff and it, it was it was cute and it's like i think it is the same developer so it's like a lot of the same assets reused but just in like a more refined game probably mm-hmm. um because so the cute. first one um, was pretty buggy wasn't it it was you got stuck I, I, in the first i one. got stuck because of a bug in the first one yeah i i had a i had to give nearly headless nick a hat i think and I mm. had it in my inventory and he just wouldn't take it. And I, that was where I got stuck. Um, so fingers crossed, if, if there's no no game breaking bugs like that in, in this one, I will definitely like be down to play it, like actually play it because it is a very, a very cute game. Um, the real star of the show here is uh, we have not played it ourselves yet. We will be playing it in its entirety soon on video but we checked out the first the first segment i would say of the playstation version of the chamber of secrets game beautiful game holy shit perfect Uh, game perfect video game like there's just so much um starts with another one of those storybook intros but there's no music and so it's just very (laughs) very spooky um you get to the burrow and the first thing you do is play a mini game boss fight against the ghoul in the attic who is throwing pipes at you and it you you the goal is to catch 60 pipes um <laughs> it's uh there's so much it looks so good there's a there's a dueling mini game with fred and george where you just you lay fred the fuck out with expelliarmus like oh yeah uh oh, Terry's signature spell. Signature spell should not have pressed Harry on that one. Um Ginny's face is melting constantly. There's there's just so much. I, I cannot wait to play this game. We played or we watched up to the burrow and we didn't want to continue because obviously we don't want to spoil it for ourselves, but I was shocked by how much there is at the burrow between the the ghoul mini game. And when they first introduced the ghoul minigame, I was like, why would they put the ghoul minigame in when, they're, when there's denoming in the book? But boy, 
There oh, is man. also a denoming mini game. I cannot wait for the denoming mini game. It's perfect in every way. Uh, the the gnome says "get off me." Uh, <laughs> you you can throw it into this big field patch, and uh, uh, the <laughs> the the wherever it lands, it will it will like calculate a score. And while the very long score screen is uh is 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 going the gnome will continue dancing and or spinning just like and it's spinning a good in place. model it's a very good model of the gnome um i yeah there like the 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 bar was like a full dungeon really yeah i after the ghoul mini game it was like okay there's also gnome stuff and you think that's gonna be it but after the gnome thing, Fred walks up to you and is like, hey, Harry, let's duel. And surely that's all there's going to be. But after that, there's like a long pseudo dungeon crawl. Yeah, it's where like a whole dungeon. Yeah. It's so strange. So I'm really looking forward to playing that one. Yeah. And and it's it, it's just like. There is more variety in that first burrow segment than like the entirety of that Sorcerer Stone game, honestly. Uh, and if that pace keeps up, this feels like it could be a very funny, like lost video game. Like the first one already felt like kind of like a lost video game in a lot of ways, because I don't think many people really remember much of it besides the funny faces. But yeah, this is yeah. just like completely uncharted territory for me. Uh, and I'm I'm very excited to see more of that. It's it's very exciting. I uh, the Ginny. Did we talk about the Ginny Weasley model? Oh, the, yeah. So her. I, I did mention her face is melting, but like specifically, um, it looks like her character model is like, or, or her the texture for her face is like a a photo of her, and none of the other characters are. They're like all like hand drawn. Um, yeah. And so her face just looks absolutely horrifying like they've given her a little mouth flap um <laughs> that they like have to we, they have to like animate her like real like photo mouth like flapping open and closed and it is truly horrifying also from certain angles she just looks incredibly fucking ripped like she has like huge shoulders and like <laughs> big muscles it's 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 very intimidating uh Ginny is a is a is it i mean i guess she is a star athlete later on so yeah, that's true. Um, I I think I, I do want to point out the effort that this the uh, that I think all of these games. I guess I didn't play the Game Boy Color one, so so I don't know if it does. But the effort that the game seemed to put into making Ginny a character, yeah, who is who is there and 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 says says things. And I mean, it's goofy. It's like old old video game for yeah. sure. But she's definitely in there, and at least for the Game Boy Advance game, they also make a huge point to po to show that uh, Lucius Malfoy is slipping the diary into Ginny's cauldron. Yeah, so does the um so does the Game Boy Color one. Like it it's a it's a very obvious moment, which I think I think is good, honestly, because I think when I went back and read the book like after our last chapter finished and they didn't they didn't for all the ways that JK likes to like tip the mystery hat a little early in, in these books there's really no fair clue there um so once yeah. again the 
the the games are picking up the slack. Uh, I think the last thing I will hit on just to uh, tempt people to subscribe to our, our Patreon to see this uh, Let's Play will do a real line in this video game is good job harry i hope my dad's junk wasn't too much trouble for you <laughs> which wah, the dad's you, junk dude. dungeon yes yes well or yeah dad was the other line is that dad leaves his junk everywhere and it leaves uh it uh it makes mom crazy or whatever there's just some really good video game dialogue in here some, some very quality dialogue which honestly i can't really say for the the chamber of secrets book so i mean <laughs> i think all these all these adaptations have their own little little flair yeah that they add yeah and and i think with that i think it's time for us to maybe move on to the perhaps the adaptation with the most flair uh christopher columbus's chamber of secrets film does that sound good that sounds good to me. All right. So before we get into kind of like, I'm, I'm going to walk us through the movie here, but I've got some 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 fun stuff to to walk through for that about the production and just some of like the stuff that was going on when this was released. Hmm. So so this was this came out like exactly a year after the first one. It it was they were wow that's fast. Yeah, they they were shot almost back to back. It's a, like shooting, I think, began three days after the premiere. I think that when we were talking about uh, Philosopher's Stone stuff, there was like a clip interview clip or whatever. They're like they went to the premiere and then basically got back to work um, on the on the second one. Yeah. Uh, 2002 was kind of a nuts year for like big action movies because so like we remember that um sorcerer stone was going head to head against uh fellowship of the ring right right, um, right. T- 2002 we have uh two towers chamber of secrets and attack of the clones so this was like <laughs> every major franchise had a thing this year uh which is kind of wild um chris columbus did direct again uh, as we know and love um and this is favorite. his last one right Yes, after this he like semi-retired to like spend time with his kids or whatever. Oh. Um and I think he's like only just now getting back into directing stuff cuz he did Pixels, right? Or that that awful oh, I, I have no Adam clue. Sandler movie. I think that was him. <laughs> um, Sounds like him. <laughs> um but uh uh apparently Frank Oz said that he was offered to direct this film, which I think would have been fucking wild. Like <laughs> the Muppets guy were like, I mean, I guess the reason he was probably offered it was because uh, he did like dark. He did Labyrinth and Dark Crystal, uh, sure. I think. So, I mean, that seems like a pretty decent like choice uh, if he had gotten to see do that. But uh, um there there's just some wild stuff going back into like articles from 2002 and and news stuff from 2002 and seeing like what the mood around this movie was like when it was coming out so the first one did really well at the box office but i think especially compared to fellowship of the ring it was at least reading these articles uh less beloved than i expected um at the time uh there's a an entertainment weekly article i found here from uh august 30th 2002 uh that's like just a little one of those like little one page preview things they do Mm -hmm. um 
and for the so the the why we can't wait for chamber of secrets despite initial an initial ho-hum reaction to the predecessor potter fans know that the two hours of setup in the sorcerer's stone will hopefully pay off with this one uh, uh <laughs> yikes yikes um the, the this little snippet continues uh i would like to point out that they have two sections here which are come for the magic stay for aragog the spider which agreed <laughs> I'm sure <laughs> i um, until you said that i forgot that scene entirely so yeah yeah um there's another uh a a a new york post article from 2002 here about the rivalry between lord of the rings and harry potter um i guess the major thing was that uh i I guess i just don't remember this at all but i guess i probably also didn't follow movies and stuff the same way i i have access to now at the time you know at at that time but like yeah people there's all these articles about how embarrassing it was that lord of the rings uh got 13 oscar nominations and harry potter did not like get anywhere near i don't think it got any actually maybe for score um but uh like there's a a very interesting like burgeoning fantasy film rivalry uh that this like new york that's so odd i don't i don't even quite understand pitting them against each other i understand that they're both uh fantasy films i suppose but it seems like the audience is i mean obviously there's overlap but it seems different and they even brought in chris columbus to do the harry potter movies because he's good at doing like kids comedy movies i don't so here's the thing that makes it really weird and i think this is where the like forced feuding thing comes into play even more um is that two towers in 2002 had Gollum, Harry Potter had Dobby, <laughs> and uh, Attack of the Clones had Yoda. So we had three fantasy movies with CGI like little creature guys. Little in guys, them. yeah. Uh, and I... I, I, I did some digging, and I found a fucking incredible piece of history from the Force.net uh dobby the house elf versus cgi yoda who looked better um the best part of this is i feel like it's sort of a an unspoken truth here that Gollum was clearly the best looking one because they're not even they don't even compare uh <laughs> they don't even compare them to Gollum. but there is I a think- very long thread here I- arguing about whether Gollum or whether dobby or yoda was more impressive I think Gollum and Dobby are more similar looking to each other than either of them is to Yoda. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I would agree. Um, but yeah, it, it was weird. It's just like, it, it's it's just one of those things where it's almost like the, and this is a very, our audience reference, but like the, the Overwatch and Battleborn um, rivalry <laughs> where they really shouldn't have been rivals probably, but because they were vaguely similar, it became a lot weirder. Um, like, it, like it is funny that these three movies all had like groundbreaking CGI little, little creature guy characters, I guess, but like Harry Potter and Lord of the Rings are not at all similar. Um, yeah. I, I guess this really takes me back to a time where um, 
the creation of weird little CG creature guys is noteworthy at all. Yeah. Like, like that was a thing that made a movie stand out at one point. Yeah. Uh, and now we're just fucking used to, like everything is CG. So who cares? But it's, it's incredible. Like this, this thread, like they're, they're comparing scenes and they don't have it. Cause these movies are still out at the time. This thread was being, uh, written you know or, or discussed in so they don't have like pictures or anything but they're just talking about how like oh in harry potter there's a scene where um he picks up dobby or whatever and in in star wars <laughs> yoda never interacts with anyone directly uh and it's just very very funny seeing them, them pick this apart uh there is one very brave poster in here who i think oh. is very who braver than any troop who says that who framed roger rabbit had more human interaction than dobby without all the cgi damn which is fucking true <laughs> roger rabbit is more impressive than uh than dobby for sure yeah um, dobby looked great though dobby i i think surprisingly like my first hot take with this movie aside from a few weird shots is how good it looked like yeah like, it was not it was not bad for a movie from 2002 no so i guess uh, so that was i i guess that was my 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 little rundown of just what well, here's here's the setup here's the context for this thing um and and uh i guess now let's talk about the movie um but i guess before we get into details and stuff overall how did you feel it was too damn long yeah <laughs> yes it was yep. so long um I I don't know definitively like what should have been cut or what shouldn't have been in it because obviously that's always a struggle with adapting a novel to the silver screen but I feel like they they really wanted to remain very faithful to so- something <laughs> some some <laughs> some Harry Potter loyalty going on, but overall, <laughs> it was what an almost three hour long movie. It's two, yeah, two hours and forty six minutes. I think it's too it's too long. Uh, otherwise, I think it was a huge improvement on the book. The changes they made, I think, were pretty good, and they they cut out some stuff from the book that I absolutely hated. Mm-hmm. I think the actors did a great job particularly Lockhart, Snape, mm-hmm. all did great. I I liked, I mean, I feel like this is the same story from reading the book where there were a lot of individual scenes I liked, but the main thread through the story was just very, very boring to me. I feel I like it couldn't understand. salvage that. It, yeah. it couldn't, it could not salvage the the core problem, but it did its best with the rest of it. Um I agree that it was too long, although I had a, like an almost competing problem with it was it felt too long and also very rushed, if that makes sense. Like mm-hmm. it really shuffles you from scene to scene very quickly, um, which is a thing that the Sorcerer's Stone maybe did as well and, and also clocked in at over two and a half hours. Uh, I don't know. Pacing is a tough thing to get right in a movie, especially with adaptations i feel like because there's stuff that you're kind of beholden to unless you're really taking an axe to the script which probably is what should have happened here but chris columbus is still pretty staunchly uh against doing that um so i think from that perspective they did probably the best they could but it's just so weird how fast it like moves through the dursley stuff and the burrow stuff um it really burns through 
through like scenes that I, I felt should have had some, I don't know, just like a sense of like calm or, or, or downtime or whatever, but it just really burns through all that stuff very quickly. Like they get to the burrow, they wake up, they have breakfast, they go to Diagon Alley. Like it's, it's really that quick. Um, yeah, I, I think that they really had to spend most of their runtime salvaging this very like poorly done mystery. Like, yeah, I, I, honestly, like I, I just think that they they had to scramble to put all of these clues into place in a way that that translated it onto the screen in a, in yeah. a way that made sense and. I, I don't know, like you said, other than taking an axe to it and and really just changing so much, I, I don't know how it couldn't feel rushed. And then and then you're right, like it feels rushed and also so long. And then we also watch deleted scenes and every scene that was deleted, I thought they should have put that in there. Except for the <laughs> yeah, scene. Right. This, that we, we had the same. So uh, so I guess, you know, it, it follows since it's, you know, same director and everything. But like. The, a lot of the criticisms we had of the first movie carry over here, and a big one of those is that the a lot of those deleted scenes were character moments that probably should have been in the film. And apparently, we do not have this. I guess this DVD set that we have does not include the extended editions, quote unquote, uh, which I guess do incorporate a lot of those scenes in into the films, which is good, like because they should be there. But it's wild to think that like the movies as uh you know originally in theaters and stuff just did not have uh, the biggest one we'll 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 i think we we should kind of run through the deleted scenes at the end here but like sure real real big early one stunned that they took lucius and and draco out of the borgen and burks scene yeah Uh, like that borgen and burks scene is fucking pointless without without that happening but let's start at the beginning here we have the dursleys um I think they did a cute job with the Dursley stuff again. I love them in the first movie and they get even less to do in this one, unfortunately, but it is still, I, I, I think that it was like, like the most perfect casting out of a movie that is pretty much full of perfect casting. Um, yeah, they, they are, are wonderful and they get about two minutes of screen time because all of the Dursley stuff is just the Dobby show. Really? It's yeah, it's, it's the Dobby scene and the, we we do we do get the great um uh we don't get like the full spiel but the the what you know the family huddling so all right like are we all ready are we all are we all ready for what we're gonna say when the masons show up uh thing and like that was very cute and it has a very um cartoonish scene which i love when they are all bubbly and happy with each other talking about their plans. And then they all turn to Harry and glare and sort of like step in at him as he, as they wait for him to say that he's going to be in his room and not, not making any noise. Um, It's very, very like it nails that like kind of whimsical tone from the books that I like with all the Dursley stuff so much. Yeah, it it and this is just kind of occurring to me now as you as you're telling me how much that the the Dursleys are are kind of like a cartoon and I do agree that that comes across in the books and and is like so good in the movie the actors do a great job. Um but it is 
a little bit funny to me, and, I, and I'm thinking about it in like some interview clips that we watched with Daniel Radcliffe, who is ta- talking about how much darker and and more serious uh, this oh. film is from the first one. And it is an odd choice to make the most whimsical, cartoonish, like fanciful part of the movie the Dursley scenes, and then you go to <laughs> Hogwarts, which is the magical castle, and it is dark and and kind of that yeah like scary <laughs> realism we we go from like whimsical child abuse to very serious <laughs> wizard castle which is a little odd it's just it's one of those things where the the i almost wish that the tone of the dursley stuff was the tone of more of the films you know yeah um that if it, if it, if it had kept that same uh kind of dark comedy energy i would have really liked that but um dobby shows up uh uh and interrupts the japanese golfer joke i'm glad (laughs) that we got that line in there Um, oh yeah uh i i don't know i thought the dobby scene was impressive honestly um like for a movie from 2002 dobby looks really good um and specifically I am impressed with 12-year-old Daniel Radcliffe's ability to act against a tennis ball on a stick. Like, <laughs> like that I think, you know, getting child actors to do anything is uh kind of a kind of a crapshoot and telling this kid to like pretend that a completely non-existent character is there and acting against them and physically interacting with him is impressive. Uh you know, he picks him up and puts him in the the cabinet. There's that great uh, shot of him, like, c- constantly trying to close the door while Vernon thinks, like, the door's broken or whatever. <laughs> um, uh, they do a lot with, with that stuff in a way that I found very charming. In a way, it was honest. I, like, I was, like, going into this movie, I was like, this is from 2002. The Dobby stuff is going to be a fucking nightmare. And it really wasn't. <laughs> no, it was totally fine. And we well we we love Dobby. We and we love Dobby. But that was the thing. I was like, they're not going to do Dobby justice. They're not true. Gonna... True. <laughs> they they did him justice. Good job. Yeah. CG artists from two thousand two. Uh, I, it's funny to me that the, I, I guess this is just like a a matter of like suspension of disbelief and the uncanny valley and you know what what is believable and what is not. But it is it's so funny to me that the the Dobby stuff. I was completely sold on. And then when it cut to uh, the CGI flying car coming to Privet Drive, it looked so funny to me. (laughs) It looked really, really bad. And it's like, it's a car. It's not moving. It doesn't have like a face or anything. It's it's wild that the car looked looked more unbelievable to me, I guess. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. Like the uh, car comes, they go to the burrow. I think the like again the casting in these movies is fucking incredible i love molly and arthur weasley in these scenes Mm -hmm. what little we get of them anyway but like oh my god like it was one of my favorite scenes from the book when molly came out was screaming at ron and then was like very bubbly and happy with harry Uh uh but like the way they do it in the movie is so fucking good she's just like whipping between them like like you can like see her expression change as she moves. It's really, really well done. Yeah, and and it's still uh, the Jersey. Uh, excuse me, the Weasley stuff kind of keeps that tone 
that was at the Dursleys as well. I yeah. Think. Until until they go to Diagon Alley and it and the the movie and the plot really start. Yeah. And that's and that's I think that's maybe the biggest bummer is that like almost the same as the book, the the Dursley and Weasley dichotomy stuff is so much fun. And like the set that they built for the burrow is incredible. Like mm-hmm. I love the scenes of him being in there and like looking at all the weird shit and like we get introduced to Ginny and Arthur and Molly and that's about all we get. Like yeah, that stuff moves fast. Uh, which oh is yeah. Kind of a bummer. Uh, Ginny, a <laughs> uh, really good child actor moment is, uh, is Ginny's extreme acting when she sees Harry and <laughs> the like full like eyebrows raised eyes open like it's it's very goofy but it, it kind of worked for me yeah yeah it, it's very good i i like her um i think bon- bonnie wright gets a lot of hate obviously yeah. not not at this point i mean in in this one she's like 11 or whatever but but later on i, I think that she gets accused of underacting um huh. so so to see her to start being the like very cute overacting you know child actor it was it was yeah. charming I, I yeah i liked that it's a very funny shot i feel like it was one of those things where it's like okay we're working with kids they're not like they're just literally not going to be incredible you know emotional actors or whatever and like the way that shot holds on her face for so long <laughs> feels like them just like leaning into it a little bit like okay like sure <laughs> like like this is this is a really funny face we'll just we'll keep this this will be our our, our Ginny moment I, I really yeah. like that a lot I mean I think they I I think that the main trio like as child actors do really good they definitely lean into some of dad Dan Radcliffe's like goofy child actor moments like, oh my throughout god the he, whole movie because he, he does have some some moments that maybe they should have cut out yeah in my opinion but that they really <laughs> just kind of kind of went for it so well there's there's one in particular which was thankfully a a deleted scene but the the shot of him sitting on the hill with hedwig saying who am I, Hedwig? What am I? Is like one of the funniest fucking things I've ever seen. <laughs> yeah. Very I, I, yeah, I do. I do want to talk about that. Probably not quite yet, just because I, I feel like yeah. they just decided to go ahead and delete Harry's character arc from the book. And yeah. that was, and we'll, probably that scene was a victim of that. But but we'll we'll get to we'll that. Get there. Just... We'll get there. Yeah. Um. So then we go to Borgen and Burks, and it is a bummer how little there is there because, especially now that we've seen the deleted scenes and 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 realized that we they really did film that whole incredible uh, Lucius scene. Um, Harry just walks out of the store, and Hagrid is there, and it makes me wonder, like, if you're gonna cut that. I guess JK had to be in the writer's room yelling at them that the vanishing cabinet will be important later or something because <laughs> otherwise that scene is 100% pointless. Like yeah, all we get out of that is, is Harry walking outside and seeing Hagrid. Yeah. I mean, it could, it could have just been Harry going to Diagon Alley and nothing happened because without that scene there, there's no, there's no point because otherwise it's just like, I guess, 
establishing that Nocturne Alley is there, but it doesn't come up later on in this book. It's completely irrelevant. I guess the kind of red herring that Hagrid is that maybe he opened the chamber, but Hagrid just really doesn't come off as very sinister in that scene or like suspicious it doesn't, at all. It doesn't seem suspicious. It's like, he doesn't seem shifty in that scene at all. Um, he just says like, Oh, I got to get this flesh eating slug repellent. Like just very matter of fact. Yeah. So yeah, it's, it's weird. I don't, I, I feel like if they were going to cut that scene, they might as well have just had him normally get to Diagon Alley with the rest of them and like see Hagrid walking out of Nocturne Alley or something. Yeah. And know? then there could have been, been, um, and Hagrid could have said nothing to them and maybe Harry had could turn to like Fred and be like, what's down there. And Fred could have his little like exposition about Nocturne Alley totally. or, or whatever. But, um, yeah. the way that it's constructed in the movie is just very strange without that, that Lucius and, and Draco scene and, in Morgan and Burks. Yeah. Um, we- also just cuts out Lucius's entire motivation from the yeah. book, which is one of the things that I really liked was, and had completely forgotten about, which was, you know, Lucius wanting to, to get payback on Arthur Weasley for doing the, the like muggle, the like illicit muggle artifacts raids and dark, yeah. and dark magic raids. So yeah. I, I guess that wasn't important. <laughs> yeah. He just, he's just bad. No motivation. Um, we do get the, the, Mwah, the incredible Lockhart introduction. Uh, we're, I feel like we're going to be talking up Lockhart a lot in this episode again because he's so fucking good in this movie. Like, yeah, because he's the only good thing about Chamber of Secrets. <laughs> he will. He's he's the best thing in the book. Maybe the only good thing in the book, and he is just so good here. Kenneth Branagh, like, just fucking nails it from like the first moment he appears the the um flourish and blots like book signing scene is so good and there are i had forgotten i like i had not seen this movie since i saw it in theaters as a kid i had forgotten how hard they leaned into uh the crowd and like all the women in the crowd loving him thing there's so (laughs) many good reaction shots of like all the moms in the crowd like fawning over him and stuff it's so funny it's extremely good um and and i think there was a uh an interview that we watched where they said that they decided to play the lockhart stuff more nuanced or more subtle which if that is the case <laughs> incredible kind of joke they have to be joking there like Kenneth, Kenneth Branagh is like renowned as a Shakespearean actor and like <laughs> he is not known for subtlety he is a big loud Shakespearean actor who yells his feelings and he is just like the it, the thing that makes this performance so good like especially this like first one where he's like in the celebrity limelight is like I feel like he's almost just kind of poking fun at himself like mm-hmm. Like, cause like in real life, he is, you know, he does dress, you know, he has, he's a very fancy, uh, fancy man. He has big, like, I, I'm pretty sure that the hair he has in the film is a wig, but it is not far off from like his normal hair. Like he he was a, (laughs) he was a big blonde coif guy. Like if you ever see his version of Hamlet or anything, it's fucking hilarious. He is, he is really, really foppish in those movies. Um, uh and so, so like there's just like this extra element of like it kind of feels like he's taking the piss out of himself which just makes it even funnier for me um 
but yeah, it's just like spot on um, in that in that bookstore scene. Uh, and then Lucius appears here in the theatrical version of the movie, but there's no brawl with him and Arthur. So he has the second shot they had to give him motivation is also missing. Oops. Yeah, he, he <laughs> just kind of shows up and is like kind of an asshole, I guess. Uh, yeah, the actor like, does oh, a great job. Yeah. Oh, the Weasleys. I hate these guys. And and that's really, really it. He He just kind of taunts them for being poor and then walks away to be clear not ripping on the actor because he almost on gilderoy lockhart's level is just fucking fantastic like Mm -hmm. jason isaacs is so good in the two minutes he gets in this movie (laughs) um he is i mean this movie really just runs the gamut of just like incredible like asshole male villains or whatever like we <laughs> we get the best snape performance we get the best gildory lockhart performance we get the best lucius performance of what little there is um yeah like he 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 is fantastic the like jason isaacs is not a uh a feminine looking guy like he is a very like square jawed big muscly guy and seeing him with that like long blonde hair is so funny like it is such a great design for him i think like just knowing that he is especially at this point in 2002 he was mostly known for playing like big bruisers in like action movies or whatever and like (laughs) here he is playing this like very evil like conniving fancy man it's so good um i don't know like whoever i feel like the real like the 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 person who like helped saved these movies from just being fucking disasters it was the whoever was running the casting agency for this oh, stuff yeah, is for just sure. like on point it sure it sure makes i mean this this gauntlet of of villains that we have in this movie sure makes it a letdown when the like main showdown is with a snake and a like teenager i guess <laughs> yeah huh yeah <laughs> didn't really think of it that way but yeah <laughs> it's just but such yeah, a bummer have, we, yeah they because they have such good performances from from these 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 guest actors i guess like mm-hmm. i would i would pay a lot of money to just see and i actually to be fair i think lucius gets a lot more screen time as the movies go on at least so we will see be seeing a lot more of 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 jason isaacs in this but Lockhart, of course, really only gets this movie. But I will, I will cherish his his scenes forever. He he might be in Order of the Phoenix, but I don't no. know for sure. Yeah, yeah. So then we get so we get the diary thing like that all happens, but there's no brawl. There's no like face off between Lucius and Arthur. So that whole thing is kind of weird. Um, and then we just cut to them going to uh the uh, uh, king's cross like they just go from the diagonal alley to the train station like they're ready to go just That's like in still... the video games just like in the video games that is true yeah the video games do uh do cut out a lot of the back and forth as well i guess but the car scene would <sighs> you like to would you like to tell us all about the car scene well they get in the flying car and it's 
it's real a lot of good fun. Um, we saw an interview with with Dan Radcliffe and and Rupert, and they talked about loving the car scene because one, they just got to hang out and goof around all day in in those yeah. those uh, recording days, and also got to do some stunts. Hell yeah! So, I honestly, it is. I think I might have just had a little a micro sleep during the uh, car scene um, because they decided to turn it into like kind of a like car chase action sequence, which I think I even said um, when we were watching this, they've only got one car in eight movies. So if they're not going to make it into a train car chase scene, what is even the point? <laughs> um well, do you remember the specific of the of this like contrived train versus car chase, which is that they are following the train tracks and then there's like a like, what did you hear that? Thing? And then they turn around and the trains behind them, which that train must be fucking moving, right? Like, like if it's catching up with a car that is going full speed. It's going um, full speed and flying. But so here's the thing. Yeah, they're screaming like, ah, the train's ah. going to hit us. It's like you're flying. Just this is also turn. a video game problem. <laughs> yeah, just fucking turn. Get off the track. So what is your problem? Like yeah. Harry nearly falls out of the car like he wasn't wearing a seatbelt. Like, yeah, there's it's... that whole sequence where he, he's like, they they try to dodge out of the way of the train and then the car like tips over and Harry just falls out of the door and he's holding on to the door handle and Ron says, Harry, hold on. And it's just this extended sequence of Ron like reaching for him so much. So like Harry tries to grab his hand to pull himself in the car and then says, your hand is sweaty. Like I can't grab on your hand is too sweaty. It's just, Oh my god! They finally you, hauls him in there, and it's just—it's just so much. Did you did you like in that like comedy like whoa the trains behind? Did you like the CG or no? It wasn't CGI. It was like puppet Hedwig turning around and like bugging her eyes, bugging out like. <laughs> yes, actually, so, I did. It's so it's, freaky. It's, there's it's actually a, a couple of very there's a, a couple of very good puppet Hedwigs here. Like before they get in the car when the when the platform is close to them and Harry runs full speed into the into the wall, the like prop Hedwig bouncing around in the cage is really funny. Yes. So I guess I guess we got our one our one car chase scene. Well, mm, we get there's well, two. We get two car chases in this movie. Again, my other opportunity to micro sleep. Um, <laughs> but yeah, this is this for this movie. This was our, this is our you know the car doesn't come back so. Everything yeah. else is brooms except for in the Chamber of Secrets. Yeah. Um, and then uh, Filch catches them instead of Snape at the end after the whole thing. Boo. And then, yeah, I, I mean, it's a great performance and all. I'm bummed that Snape is like actually mad at them. In yeah, it takes, the t- it takes the tone just completely differently. Yeah. Like, or, or maybe is, like, I was actually... reading. It different like maybe I was reading more into it in the book or like reading it in a very generous way, but but this but Snape is PO'd in this scene. Like he's so legitimately in, trying in, to get them expelled. Yeah, like in the in the 
book he is smiling when he catches them and he like is smirking in the background when mcgonagall is yelling at them and he like floats the suggestion that he that they that harry gets kicked off the quidditch team or whatever like he's definitely playing it up in the book i feel and here in this movie scene i mean it's like again alan rickman can do no wrong really like i'm sure he is acting the best that he you know as directed but i think that the direction here calling for him to be legitimately pissed off at them and then leaving is so weird like like he holds like a newspaper he 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 does the like 50s like cop movie thing where he's like ah you're out of control like look at the headlines like hand in your gun and badge like it's he's like pointing at this headline and yelling at him and walking around his desk he's like calm down dude i mean i guess i i will posit is this a a book to movie adaptation problem in so far is this is this a harry did you put your name in the goblet of fire problem because oh like book dialogue doesn't necessarily need to be you know screaming and being mad yeah. and and having he, like over like over the top emotional reactions and so some of that needs to be added in later to adapt it to the screen yeah maybe there is a version of this script like i could definitely see especially like after that um like extended car chase and tree fight sequence that like having a relatively calm scene after that might have felt weird to audiences or something like i don't know i i i could see that for sure yeah i mean to be yeah to be fair they they did a huge tone shift with the car scene uh i remember the the biggest thing happening in the car scene is they were a little bit worried about losing the train and then at the end of their long journey they were hot and sweaty and feeling uncomfortable and their stomachs hurt from eating the toffee in the movie harry almost dies (laughs) so So maybe maybe Snape's over the top angry reactions feels a bit more natural. uh, Oh, because he's protecting Harry. Exactly. He. Yeah. Ooh. Always. Yeah. Just always. After all this time. (laughs) After all this time, you nearly fell out of a fucking car, Harry. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. So so I I didn't super like that, but I. It's a movie, so um, yeah. when are we almost to the scene where where uh, some girl who is unnamed says, "Look, it's nearly headless." Nick. I think that's literally the next scene. <laughs> is is we cut to the great hall, like them having breakfast or whatever, and yeah, like. Nearly Headless Dick just floats by and a girl yells, look, it's Nearly Headless Nick. It's so fucking good. Like It's it's so funny. And clearly this is set up because they, they cut out the Death Day party stuff. They cut out all of Harry's like interactions with Nick. Um, so Nick still has to get petrified later. Yeah. We still have to know who that is. So yeah. instead of having any conversation or any like... <laughs> interaction we have an unnamed voice of a person we can't even see on the screen saying look it's nearly headless nick and then he's like hello like he just like like, floats by it's so funny the standout moment of this movie it is so good yeah it is why not just cut those petrifications out of the movie 
Yeah, but yeah, if he's yeah, if he's not gonna be like a character, who cares if he gets petrified? Why is it in the film? Yeah, it's look, it's know. nearly headless Nick, and he's petrified. <laughs> and then he still says hello. <laughs> yeah, that was that was a shining moment for sure. It's just such a, and it's it's like so clearly like an inserted shot too. Like there are a few scenes in this movie that are really obvious uh reshoots that were like inserted later um (laughs) um that's definitely one of them uh but then we get to a very good scene which is uh uh the lockhart class uh, yes which i was expecting to hate this because i i think we were ripping on the movie in in our book reading of this where like yeah they turn the pixies into this huge action scene which they do it's true but it worked for me i really liked this moment it was good i take it all back this was so quality um neville gets gets hung up on the chandelier um hermione knows some kind of mass freezing spell which is (laughs) pretty impressive yeah i guess they did that for time this movie invents a lot of spells for convenience uh yeah uh there's there's just like the video games oh they should put plopendo in this movie they should way better um but you know the 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 i love like the score for this movie is pretty good like like i liked the first one a lot and this one the same i love lockhart's theme does that kind of like (laughs) he's like he's like standing on that balcony like i'm here to introduce you to your new teacher me like he's just so over the top and good and clearly having a good time i think my favorite shot of this whole movie is him standing on that balcony while the painting of him is painting a portrait of him (laughs) yes that is really just like incredible uh uh, like kudos to whoever came up with that idea it's very funny yeah Um, all all the lockhart stuff is just the most fun that this movie is it just feels like they had a lot of fun making it too like Uh in in those moments it's just like everyone's having a good time and is in on the joke and it just feels really good um then uh, ron barfs up a slug uh, yep, and, and he and he and Rupert Grint says that he he loved doing that because the slugs were flavored peppermint and lemon and and they were just great. I swear to God, I've heard that interview about two hundred times. I can't tell if that's a joke that was written for him or if he was serious. Like, I, I guess I don't even know if Rupert Grint. Slug? Yeah, I don't know if I've ever heard Rupert Grint say anything else about Chamber of Secrets. I've just heard yeah. this line that he just tells. In every interview where it's just like, oh, the, the slug scene was actually really fun because the slugs were so tasty. Um, I guess. It's plausible, right? That they flavored the oh, slime yeah. for I, the prop. I, like, it's, it's not. Probably. It's just I've never I've never heard of that happening in a movie before. And he says in every interview, like, and that's to, to be fair, Harry, I, I, I feel like all of the kids kind of got very strict scripts for these interviews, maybe because. Uh, Daniel Radcliffe is always talking about how, oh, this one is much darker and Harry is more proactive instead of reactive. And it's almost adorable, like how many times he hits that in every interview. Like, oh, like, yeah, it definitely feels, feels so like he went through more prep. Yeah. Has like talking points almost. And, and Rupert talks about the slugs and and Hermione says that um, oh, her 
she says like, oh, Hermione is uh, not as obsessed with books and it really, you know, it doesn't ruin her character, but it softens her up or something. Yeah. Mm. Which, yikes. Yikes, yeah. Oh, she's not, she, where's like, specifically, the, doesn't she say like, oh, she's like, she's like one of the boys now or like, or she's like more Some, comfortable around like the boys. It's like, uh, yeah. bummer. Um, yeah. I will say as I'm, there's kind of like a, a a a negative and positive here. So so Hermione gets called a mudblood. We get through all that scene. They take Ron to Hagrid's. I'm I kind of wish we had still gotten Ron giving his exposition while barfing. That seems like it would have been funny and like it's more appropriate for him to be telling it. I think, but uh, I think Emma Watson's performance here is really good, and I do really like that scene between her and Hagrid where he's cheering her up. Like that was legitimately very touching and that was not in the book. Uh, yeah. That thing he says yeah. is like, there's not a, there's not a pure blood out there who can, who can out magic Hermione or whatever. And like, he's like yeah. patting her on the head. It's like very sweet. And that's, I do. I do think that Hagrid does say that, but I don't, I don't think it's to Hermione. And I don't think Hermione has any real presence in that scene in the book. Mm. Um, it's kind of the Ron exposition show, but all of the focus is on Harry receiving the information and doing nothing with it. Yes, that's true. Yeah, I, like I, I, I found that scene really cute, and 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 also Harry does say when he is told what 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 you know wizard racism is, he goes, "That's horrible," which is thank you. The, like if he had just said that like once or twice in the book, it would have been so much less of a fucking struggle. Yes, uh, Harry, I, I I kind of assumed this would be true, um, because I, I mean, I hate, I hated Chamber of Secrets, I hated the book, it was horrible, and a big part of that was Harry's characterization, and I thought that there's no way, like, the movie just has to be better than the book by sheer virtue of it having an actor that is playing a character and and like is existing i guess mm-hmm. like you can you can look at that actor's face and you can like see that they are thinking something or reacting and they gave harry some lines they they had him say that it's that it's that racism is bad and and he he reacts to things and um, and and does some things, and so that for me just like made it far and away better. <laughs> yeah, it's it's unreal how much of a difference that one line can make, and th- I think that one line m- is what lets them cut all of that bullshit out of the movie, like which they do. All of that stuff is gone, really. Yeah. Uh, um, there's like a part where he's worried that he could be the heir of Slytherin, but he's clearly worried because that is a horrifying thought and not because he's annoyed that people are like suspicious of him, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, they cut all of that weird, uh, plot line out. And <laughs> in that, um, in that little making of featurette, there was, uh, an interview with the screenwriter and JK Rowling, and they were definitely trading some like polite barbs over that, which I found really funny. Uh, cause she was talking about, cause like the, the interviewer asks him like, Oh, what's something that's different in the movie? And she goes like, Oh, well, 
I don't know why I'm doing that voice. Oh my god. <laughs> <clears throat> Excuse me. Um she's like, ah, well, uh, you know, uh there's a a lot of uh the development around Harry's internal uh, conflict is is gone from the movie, and I wasn't really expecting that, but I think it still works. And, and then like, you just like see the screenwriter like kind of nodding and not saying anything. Like, mm. <laughs> like it's it's a little awkward, I guess. It's a yeah. I I am so glad that they cut that out, and I think that it focuses the movie a lot more. I think I I still don't understand Harry's internal conflict from the book and seeing (laughs) the kind of like deleted scenes where they tried to incorporate that kind of stuff. I wouldn't be surprised if they cut it out because they were like, this doesn't make sense. Like if you watch it, Harry look like a fucking idiot. Like there's, there's that one scene that we were laughing at. That's like the Christmas time one where like Harry storms off and is like, like, I'm I if what if I am the heir of Slytherin like what is it what does that mean and that like cuts to Hermione and Ron looking at him like <laughs> like he's just said that he is going to see like a Milo talk or like like is gonna go and like see Jordan B Peterson give a speech or something like he's just they're just like oh no like yeah what? it's like oh, it's, oh if the left just keeps calling me a Nazi then I guess I will be one yeah it's yeah that's completely the like the vibe that scene has and they're just looking at him like oh no it's so good like in a way if that was the way the movie was was structured and like Harry was supposed to be this little shit like that scene was. <laughs> was perfect because that cut to them is so funny um but yeah i'm glad all that stuff is not in the movie because it's bad and and like would have it makes no sense it doesn't fit it's so bizarre and just comes out of left field they 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 tried to make a a film version of that weird library scene uh which is insanely funny because it's just harry like looming listening to everyone talk about him in like child <laughs> overacting turn it's so funny <laughs> oh what a what a mess yeah i'm glad I'm they glad, cut all that out i'm glad they cut all that stuff out and like here's the big speaking of like you know here's the way they, they they cut stuff out immediately after this is when the chamber opens like after yeah. the um which is good like holy shit you think that the movie called chamber of secrets you'd open the chamber of secrets fairly early on and they do here, which I think was a good call. Um, uh, I just, now it's just plot stuff. Like, like honestly, they, they condensed the plot in a, like, honestly, the best way they could, if they had to hit all of those story beats being like everyone getting petrified and, the the rogue bludger stuff and all of that they they did it in a way that made sense and moved the plot along i still i just still suffer through the plot being boring like it just it just sucks they they did they did the best thing to salvage the plot it's just that the plot that they salvaged is still not great you know um Mm -hmm. but i think that you know they did the best they could uh because like the dueling club thing here makes even less sense. Like the du- the dueling club in the book felt like a little bit of a contrivance, but it was, it was like a actual club thing here. I don't think they ever actually explain 
who set it up or why it no just they cuts. just cut right to it like it's like an official like hogwarts self-defense class or something like it, it's very odd now just like the book uh it is carried by lockhart and snape bouncing off each other and that is mwah, so good here yes best best scene in the movie if you ask me i sometimes i watch this scene on youtube because i love it so much and i don't need to watch any of the other like parts of the movie because this is all i need this is it's so good and honestly they make the like i guess i have small movie complaint i don't know why that all the spells in the movie harry potter just like like blast you all about like harry hits draco with like a rictum sempra which is a tickling charm and it's just like just fucking blast them 10 feet backward or whatever. I don't know why it does that. But um, I think that they made the tension of the snake maybe attacking Justin to be more believable in the movie yeah. than I think it was in the book. Um, overall, just just a really great scene. So if anyone's sitting down to watch the Chamber of Secrets movie, you can just go ahead. Go to your DVD scene selection uh, screen, uh, watch the Dueling Club, and then you can just turn turn it off. I'm <laughs> not just remembering. Remember when we started the movie and we thought that it was in the DVD menu because the first shot of the film <laughs> is the photo book with the moving pictures. And it looks exactly like a DVD menu. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I amend my instructions. Don't get confused. When you start up the movie, Harry opens his photo album. You think you're in the scene selection screen, but those are just the special effects. Yeah. <laughs> it's just some movie magic. Oh, fuck. Um, I can't decide which I like more in the dueling club scene. Is it Lockhart taking off his traveling cloak and throwing it to those girls? Or is it the way that <laughs> Uh, that Snape twirls around to point at Draco to get him up on the stage. It is so fucking good. It's I, I'm going to have to vote for the secret third option, which is Snape's dueling stance. He puts his like wand above his head. Oh, he's like, he's like a fencer. He like, he just goes full, like, like, yeah, like full fencing duelist. It's so good. (laughs) Seeing like active Snape is really just a treat uh um but yeah so like this scene yeah i it had to be here right like they couldn't not do it and i'm glad they did but like without the ironically without ron around to overexpose everything uh it kind (laughs) of it comes out of nowhere and like feels like a weird inclusion um harry talks to the snake everyone realizes he's he's a parcel mouth fun fact they got a uh, a professor of linguistics to design the parcel mouth scenes but i don't think that was a uh a really a wise decision because then they just slathered a bunch of echo effects over it and you can't fucking tell what he's saying anyway so <laughs> yeah he, he just he might as well have just have been going hiss, hiss, hiss. like he just they just put so many effects over it, it it's like unrecognizable as language really it's it's spooky i guess um i i'm not a movie maker so i guess i don't understand how this maybe would read to an audience but the thing that i found to be a little strange is that they chose to represent the language in that way in every 
point in the movie instead of in the same way like Sorcerer's Stone was, which is when we're seeing kind of from Harry's perspective, I'm so I'm I think it's odd that we didn't hear him just speaking in English. Yes, I agree. I I think that they worked a little too hard here to make it seem sinister. Yeah. Um and it I yeah again, I guess it's because it's a movie, there's no like internal voice like there is in the book, but I would I personally I guess would have preferred it if like that scene had been him like talking to the snake normally and then everyone looking freaked out like they had heard something crazy. That yeah. just seems like it would make a little bit more sense to introduce it that way. Um, I don't know. Yeah, that 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 felt a little odd to me that they and they really leaned into it sounding like evil, right? Like 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 he is talking to a snake and is scary. Like, and he's like, he like all but like rolls his eyes into the back of his head while he's doing it, you know, like it's, <laughs> uh, it's a little much. Yeah. And I would have been okay with, with some snick language. I I feel like there, there's some, you know, movie visual language that maybe we could have been seeing from, from Ron's perspective when um, Harry was opening the chamber and maybe could have heard that cool parcel yeah. tongue language sound, but, yeah. but no, it is at, at all, at all points. And again is it's like kind of confusing with the exclusion of of harry's very bad character arc because it's uh-huh. just kind of it seems just like kind of disconnected from everything although i guess it does it does play into the the main mystery which is that hermione realizes that harry could talk to the, hear the voice because it's a snake can i can i reference uh our favorite film the warcraft movie please um the one really cool thing the Warcraft movie did, I think, was how all of the orc stuff in the first half of the movie was in English. And then there's that scene where they're like captured by the the humans and like the camera starts on one side of the screen with them talking to each other in English. And then it pans over to the human characters and like the language becomes like it, you 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 hear the language shift from English to uh, Orcish or whatever. That's like the one really clever thing they oh, did. Yeah, that was they very like shift cool. perspective. Yeah, I don't, I don't know why you said that's the one clever thing they did. <laughs> well, that's true because there's a very clever thing in that movie, and it's Gul'dan and how he cheats. Yeah, yeah. What a yeah, what a good good film. I'm glad we could we could reference uh, the Warcraft <laughs> movie, the beloved Warcraft movie that everyone knows and. Uh, but we saw got great accolades. Well, <laughs> naturally. Um. <laughs> um, yeah. But yeah, no, like just, I don't know, something, some little twist like that to like make the, the, the snake language twist seem a little more less sinister uh, from Harry's perspective, I guess. That would have been so cool if they had done that for Harry opening the Chamber of Secrets. Yeah, fuck. Damn. Missed opportunity. Harry, to rip off go forward in time and rip off the warcraft movie um so now the movie basically shifts to a ensemble comedy set in a bathroom uh (laughs) for a lot of the movie uh because now they're on their polyjuice shit right like like that's the that's the next arc here yeah um what do you think of myrtle in this movie uh nothing 
I I'm I am completely neutral on it. Um I know that like the the like great trivia thing that Harry Potter people like to talk about is how the actress is old. And by old I mean she's not 13 or whatever. She's like 40. Wasn't she or from something? Fran- is she like from something? Is she like a famous like sitcom actor? Maybe. Like I, I thought that it was like a big get like they got her with like this funny cameo basically, but I don't remember some, something like that i i always hear about this and it just goes in one ear and out the other like i just uh, i just can't I, they did myrtle so wrong i think like i for i the for as much good casting as there is around the rest of this film i i i don't think that they they nailed the right thing for myrtle um and i, I couldn't tell you what i was expecting but it wasn't this you know she she is a um an odd return to the the cartoon sensibilities of the dursleys i don't necessarily like that in the way that they did it for myrtle she's i like i can't tell if she's supposed to be a little bit scary um or it's just kind of a big joke yeah it's it feels more like a joke i guess and like there's definitely some humor to the myrtle character right but like i i think the thing that was funny about myrtle in the book is how um like i don't know like like the concept of a ghost with depression is just really funny right like like that is a not a that's not an archetype you see of of ghosts normally they're like they either scare you or they're friendly like you don't really get a ghost that like complains um, yeah, yeah. And I, I always, I guess I picture her as more glum than this or something. Um, and then, like, occasionally she'll pipe up and, and, like, be a little bit, like, my favorite, one of my favorite scenes in the book is when she, when they ask her about how she died and she, like, becomes, like, this, like, kind of diva character who's, like, <laughs> you know, dramatically reenacting her death and, like, like, she's so stoked that people have asked her how she died. Like, that, that was was funny um i don't i don't know i just didn't picture her as this like it's got like this real fucking um like like goo goo gaga like baby talk thing going on that's just a little odd i i I don't know yeah yeah no i i would not say i'm a fan of it but it's just it's just kind of kind of nothing yeah. To me, I guess I, I think she was better in her last scene of the movie um, when she's telling the story of her death. Um, I thought she did OK on that and maybe hit some of the right notes. But um, yeah, yeah, I don't love it. I don't love it. And I also don't love this bathroom set. It's so fucking huge. Like, I guess yes. it has to be for to like, because as we were talking about in the in the book, I guess the the chamber itself doesn't make any fucking sense like where's where does this big snake come from and so they had to like design a cavernous fucking bathroom that has a a like portal in the middle that opens up that the snake comes out of it is it like it takes away a lot of the the, both the humor and the tension of like the the, like because i don't know what you were thinking i was thinking like a small bathroom that they were just sort of taking over with their stuff, right? Like, like they're in a crappy small bathroom. And like this, they're just like, it's got like three lanes. Like it looks like a MOBA map or something. It's it's bonkers. 
Yeah, yeah. I think I think yeah, and the book kind of um tends to hint in the direction of being a small kind of rundown area, especially cuz they make a point to say that like the stalls are really tiny and yeah. There's no that no one goes in there cuz Myrtle's just like all up in it. Yeah. But it's it's silly and then I just also hate those scenes just because I they just decided that um after Hermione got her big scene of of crying and and being emotional um after the confrontation with Draco she just wasn't going to have a character anymore um she kind of like does the things that the plot needs her to do which is like tells the boys that they're going to make Polyjuice potion but otherwise she's just kind of not in the movie She's yeah, and just she kind of nothing. She doesn't fight for the Polyjuice Potion thing either. It like no. she like, doesn't need a, to. No, she's just like, this is what we're doing, and they're like, okay. Which I mean, I guess that's. I mean, that's. I mean, I guess that's technically like strong characterization, but like, I really liked the, the scene where they were really against it until they realized how passionate she was about it. You know, like that. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I'm I'm real real mixed on on Hermione as a character, how she is served in this movie, like even more so than the book. She just feels really under uh underplayed, I guess. Um especially because we just go from the poly the first polyjuice scene to Quidditch and it's a fucking like 15 minute action extravaganza that we have to sit through now. Um I hate it. It was better than it was better than the first one, I guess. It looked uh, better than the first one. Yes. I except okay. I posted <laughs> this on the Twitter, but that shot of of Draco flying off of his broom is incomprehensible. He is at least fifteen feet tall in that shot. Yeah, and now he's he, fucking dead. Yeah, and then it, it like lands with him. he like does the splits when he lands, and it's and it but it's like against a really badly done like blue screen background, so he just looks like pasted it's so bizarre and it's it's supposed to be funny like like it's funny yeah you know he hurt, he hurt his nut, nuts <laughs> yeah that, that's the joke um i don't maybe it's it's very violent though like it is very funny because he's doing he does the splits and ouch he gets hurt but like when you watch it it's like a ragdoll effect where any human person that that happens to is just fucking dead <laughs> fucking no spine left yeah. um uh and besides if there's one harry potter character who's gonna get hit in the nuts it's horatio and he does it heroically and it motivates him um, oh well yeah obviously yeah. um but yeah the, the, yeah the quidditch scene is like it's better like having the rogue bludger is uh at least like something to turn it into more than just a sports scene you know yeah becomes a chase instead it's a chase scene yeah uh i was mentioning earlier that there this movie was full of obvious like pickup shots like stuff that they filmed later this is (laughs) maybe the most obvious one where it's just haggard against a, a a green screen backdrop with no one around him pointing into the sky and going, look, Harry, he's got a rogue bludger chasing him. <laughs> like, Which is also so strange because that like implies that this is something that happens. Like, 
yeah, for the like story, the, Dobby has game. charmed has charmed the bludger to attack Harry. And the scene of Hagrid saying that it's a rogue bludger, to me that makes it sound like a quote rogue bludger is just like just one like of those things. Noun. Yeah, like a thing that's just like, oh, it's Right, it's like it's like um like oh it's oh, a modifier that can happen in Quidditch. Like oh they've got the rogue bludgers turned on. Whoa, like <laughs> it's it's I, really it's weird. It's such a weird reading of that whole situation, and and maybe maybe that's a a signal to the audience that maybe doesn't have the Quidditch rules memorized like we do and might not realize that bludgers just don't. That's not like a normal bludger thing but it's also funny just that that he says that in the way like that's that's the title of the chapter the right, rogue blood yeah. like that's what the chapter is called uh so it's and I it's think a very the movie weird gets moment that, the movie gets that across fine i think because the one shot that i will unequivocally say i think is really good in this scene is when oliver wood stops his broom to, to say something to harry and then it like busts his broom apart flying mm-hmm. by like that yeah. was actually pretty cool um and like i think that conveys it really like like the bludger is not behaving as it should i don't think we need hagrid filmed three weeks later <laughs> saying look he's got a rogue bludger well i um, guess that that also reminds me of the interview that we watched with uh oh uh, yeah with the actor who was saying that hagrid isn't really in the movie but there's no bitterness yeah that was so awkward did not feel like a joke uh no no he was very annoyed in that interview um that he didn't really get because it, it was like just one of those like what does your character do in the movie and he's basically just like uh nothing haggard isn't really in this movie no bitterness yeah. though like yeah so like our haggard scenes like let's inventory them we see him in nocturne alley where he's getting fleshing slug repellent we he gets see a good him- scene with hermione he gets a good scene with Hermione. He says, Harry's got a rogue bludger. Um, he gets arrested. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, and then he walks back. Oh, oh, no. Okay, we have to save the last one because it's the very end of the film and it's the funniest fucking thing in the world. Yeah. Oh, I guess our other it? one, the, he had a deleted scene too, which is Oh, the, a really good the- deleted scene. Yeah, it's like the clue where he he shows up to Dumbledore's office with the dead rooster and says, someone's been killing my roosters, but he's there and he also stands up for Harry and it's like, Harry didn't open the chamber. So uh, so I guess they cut cut that scene out. Oh, no, no, sorry. That is in the movie. That is in the movie. The one that's cut is him meeting Harry on the stairs with the rooster and saying, something's been strangling my roosters. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You're right. He does get the cute scene where he walks in to defend Harry. Like that. Well, that's good. He's at least still there because we also get the. I'm not, you know, I'm not going to spoil it because I got I've got more Quidditch stuff to talk about. I have a Quidditch conspiracy theory here. Oh, I can't wait. Um, so 2002. We mentioned that Attack of the Clones was also out this year. Sure. Um, John Williams did the score for both Attack of the Clones and Harry Potter. Yep. Uh, There is a musical cue in the chase sequence that is 100% totally from Attack of the Clones. Uh, When they're in, like, the trench or whatever, and they're, like, flying around, it plays this, like, 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 really, like, like, tense little, like, musical cue. 100 percent that that in that that is from attack of the clones when they are chasing zam wessel at the beginning 
And <laughs> it it's so weird because also that cue I don't believe shows up on I don't think it's on the Harry Potter's uh Chamber of Secrets soundtrack. So it did say on the on the wiki article I was reading that like John Williams was was stressed out working on both movies at once and like uh it mentions that a a another composer came in to arrange some stuff from the first movie to appear in this movie which is most clear in the deleted scenes that Christmas deleted scene that we were talking about where Harry is whining about people thinking he's racist it's just playing the Christmas song from the first movie again like yeah just the good old sleigh bells christmas theme yeah. uh so so there's a little bit of a like it's it I'm, I, I'm not blaming john williams here working on two movies coming out right around the same time that require your full scores uh it was probably not fun but uh it, it's just a weird thing like imagine imagine do, seeing that in 2002 when I don't know, like, we didn't have, like, you know, we could still find stuff on the internet, but, like, there was no YouTube or anything where you could go and confirm really easily, like, yep, yeah, these are the same cue. Like, you'd have to wait for, like, the <laughs> videos to come out or whatever and be like, was that the same fucking song? Like, it's really weird that it pops up there. Um, yeah. Yeah. Well, what's a what's a little tense musical cue between blockbuster movies? <laughs> there you go. They should they have just played the whole, the whole damn Star Wars theme just during Quidditch. Oh, could you imagine? Who's going to stop yeah. him? Who's going to stop John? Who is going to stop John Williams from doing that? Honestly, like, like, are you going to tell him this sounds too much like Star Wars? Like, he's yeah, no one John has Williams. that power. You can't. Yeah, you can't. He, you can't say that to that guy. He does whatever the fuck he wants. Um, <laughs> uh, then we get the very good and gross uh, arm scene at the end of this. Uh, it's good. It's it's disgusting in the best way. Like they they really nailed it. I think uh, you were saying this. I also cannot believe that uh, Lockhart fucking rolls his R's when he's doing that <laughs> spell. Uh, it's very cute. Um, that includes another Hagrid insert shot, which looks like the same background where he says you, there, he doesn't have any bones left. Like. <laughs> clearly filmed way later and, and inserted into this scene uh yeah yeah that's we i want to know what the fuck was going on with that like was he so angry that they got him back and were like look we'll include you in a couple more of these scenes if you just put the costume back on or something like it's it's dude. very strange um we get our second dobby scene uh that's good dobby's Dobby's good. I'm going to start moving through this a little faster because the plot of this movie is just like I'm just like we're looking through my list here and the you know I'm, I've got all my important plot things here but really the thing I want to hit here is Dumbledore says the bird thing. Yeah he does. Well he has to. It's important. He has to. We were I was unsure it was going to happen. I was like it's so stupid they can't <laughs> they had to have like written around this but they did not. Oh no, no. He Dumbledore does his inventory of Phoenix powers for sure. It's so good. I'm so glad that we we get it. We we have I should really clip that just for for uh for posterity. Like we 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 have a a beautiful performance from okay, now which one was it? I forget. Michael Gambon is the one who Richard Harris is the one who plays this Dumbledore. Uh mm -hmm. Richard Harris, uh his final performance uh letting us know that uh phoenixes can carry heavyweights 
it might be the single most important plot point in this it, whole damn mess of a book movie. Yeah, well, it's movie doubly book. important for the movie, right? Because we get like a full ass shot of them all holding onto the bird and flying. Like it's very, <laughs> very powerful. Um, Ben Hermione is like written out of the movie after this point. Yep. We've skipped Hi, over Hermione. the apology stuff, but honestly, fuck, it, it happens. Nothing happens. It's as pointless so, as it is in the book. So in this movie, Hermione's character is. She gets called a slur and is sad about it. Uh, has an cat. idea and turns into a cat and then is petrified and is out of the movie. Right? Well, she goes to hospital, gets out of hospital, and goes back to hospital. That's her character arc. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if this is better or worse than her in the in the book, essentially just being punished for having an idea or having a motivation or having something she believes in. Uh-huh. Yeah. So, so I don't know. I it both seem pretty bad to me. Um, yeah. But yeah, so yeah. so she's out of there. Well, here's the one thing that makes it a little better. Um is that when she is petrified, they at least go visit her like voluntarily and not because they're lying to Professor McGonagall about where they're going. Yeah, yeah, they just they just shortcut all that because the the tension of the school shutting down is not really a thing in the movie. There is a point where, you know, when Ginny's taken into the chamber, McGonagall says, like, we're going to have to shut down the school. But that is not a, like, central tension of the, like, last half of the movie where it was in the book because that was a huge, like, obstacle where it was like all the teachers are leading us between classes there's a curfew in place like yeah all this weird stuff is going on that that is just that's cut out entirely and and, gone and good i mean i don't think that (laughs) translates very well to a movie and i think it's like kind of contrived and ridiculous in the book insofar that it's like you should probably just shut down the school and and figure it out you know like why I don't see why the school has to literally shut down forever. They could just close it for a semester or whatever and right, figure out like, what's going let's, on. Let's figure this out. See what we can do. Don't invite the Slytherins back. Um, yeah. So so they so they took <laughs> took all that out. So so in the movie, Harry and Ron just show up to visit Hermione of their own accord, and we also get some good Harry characterization, which is absent from the book, where Harry is like holding her hand. Because yeah. he gives a shit and is like yeah, looking at her, and I and I think he's the one that says like Hermione, we could really, we really need you right now. The, there's two scenes where they say that. There's a joking one, and then there's a real one. So before all this happened, or I guess like before they see her in the hospital and get the the piece of paper, we do do the spider adventure. Um, so so Hagrid, we we do get the incredible farce in Hagrid's hut where everyone shows up <laughs> uh um to arrest Hagrid uh then uh, okay so there you go there's there's your la- there's another Hagrid scene he just says like I didn't do it follow the spiders like that's a Hagrid kind of is in this movie a lot I don't really know what that actor's talking about honestly um <laughs> uh, <laughs> it's a long uh, movie yeah that's true. I guess like pound for pound, he's not in it that much. But so then they go to the forest and we get our our Aragog scene, which uh, he's a 
okay maybe i'm weird for saying this i did not find aragog scary in the slightest because they gave him a jumping spider face and i think jumping spiders are like maybe on my top five list of cutest animals like yeah, he's pretty he's pretty cute here he's got he's got like jumping spiders have like the big front facing eyes and then the little eyes surrounding them and he for one thing i do appreciate that apart from the the cg when he like is climbing out of the hole um he is cl- he's a big puppet and yeah he, he is, looks great he looks awesome he's sitting at the top of this like mound and he's like talking to them but he he just he's kind of cute like he's just like wiggling around and 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 there's all these close-ups of his like big shiny eyes and i'm just like aragog you're not so bad you're, you look like a friend i feel like they probably couldn't make him too scary i mean i think i think the scene in and of itself is is pretty scary but it's still like a kid's movie you know yeah they probably made they the give, cutest like, scary five spider. jump scares after that though wow well, like, yeah kids love jump scares yeah um, I don't. i don't know yeah, so I, I would say that, like, it's a foregone conclusion at this point that, like, plot-wise, this is stupid, but I, at least if you're going to do it, I did like the big spider puppet. I thought he was very cute. Um, is it just me, or does the Forbidden Forest, the way they do it in the movie, look like a video game forest? It so does. It It, it is, it is like, video game forest slash, like, episode of Star Trek where there's a forest, you know? Like, it, yeah. it's... It's like a studio and there's like it's it's there's fog everywhere. So you can't see that it was shot indoors and like the trees are like super spaced apart. It looks like a video game because it it looks like they like used up their like budget, their draw distance budget. Yeah. And then they go in the distance. Yeah. Yeah. And they go into like the hollow where Aragog is and he kind of climbs out of the hole. I don't know. It just it just reminds me. Well, of that video game that Forest hollow in particular, that hollow is so funny because it is. Again, I mean, like it's a, it's a movie, not a game. But like, if you walked into that in a video game, you'd be like, "Oh, boss fight!" You know, like like yeah. Uh, and and the, for the movie, it's it's not like oh boss fight. It's oh there's going to be an action sequence here because it's like a big pit where <laughs> where we're going to need to move a camera around a whole lot. Um, uh, and have a lot of like spiders on screen it was that that was pretty funny it's very transparent i think um, they overdid it with the cg spiders i do too i i i think that the chase was cute at first like like i think i like the shots of them like driving through all the spiders and out of the hollow i think after that they should have been done but we get like a full ass chase sequence with spiders running fast enough to chase a car which i'm not mm, they're big spiders i don't think they can move that fast you know like it's do, a car do, yeah and there are like a lot of them so much so that i feel like they were really just like appreciating the cg like clone clone stamping technology uh-huh. to be like we can make a whole army out of one guy is what it really looked like to me because it was yeah. just like an endless endless horde of spiders uh, they must be eating the centaurs to have so many. That's got to be it. Yeah, there's a lot of spiders, and then there's the there's the one puppet spider, which is for the jump scare, which <laughs> I did kind of like uh, when when it grabs Ron through the window. Except, why did you have the windows rolled down, um, Ron? You fool. Uh, <laughs> actually, no, I take it back. There's one CGI spider that I do love, and it's the one that's stuck on the hood after they drive out of the hollow, and then it like flies off. That was pretty cute. Um, 
there's like every now and then these action sequences have like a little piece of flair that i'm like all right yeah that's cute but like for the most part they're just like so long um but that's so this is where we get the uh where's hermione when you need her scene is like when ron says that um and yeah. then they go visit her in the hospital and you get the like the earnest version of that which i thought that was kind of cute we have like a a like sarcastic version of it and then also the the like earnest version of it like oh we could really use your help right now thing that was cute yeah oh and also kind of an aside the spider thing uh the movie sets it up way better than the book does like there are spiders crawling away from every like oh I fe- yes I, I feel like in the book the spider thing kind of comes out of nowhere they, it's, it's like it's mentioned after the f- first one like in the bathroom or whatever like when percy finds them i think like yeah hermione. when they're in when they're kind of investigating the area yeah. i guess um but the kind of deliberate shots of the spiders makes it seem a little bit less kind of out of out of nowhere completely out of left field yeah also in the movie script and it, it I forget in the book did they say explicitly like oh the monster in the chamber is our mortal enemy for spiders like did they say that in the book I think so okay I, I couldn't remember that because I was I, I was waiting for Aragog to say because we have no eyelids and cannot close <laughs> our cannot close our eyes D- DAE notice we do not have eyelids <laughs> he should have said that he should have said that um so yeah so that's when we get the the pipes scene with hermione in the hospital so she she did one last thing they i yeah i don't know the way hermione is treated in this movie is a bummer uh and it was a bummer in the book uh but at least they're at least when harry is like solving quote unquote this whole mystery it's like on on the way to go do something else as opposed to like standing over hermione's petrified body going like oh we did it like that just so (laughs) the imagery of that is so funny to me in the book um um but now now it's now it's time for for snake i guess we we get yeah Lockhart's I think I will say Lockhart's villain speech is way better in the movie than in the book. It's completely oh, yeah. different. Um, yep, it's, and it, it's quite a bit condensed and uh, it it all is just so much more believable to me. He's just seemed kind of exasperated. It seems more like. Um, yeah. And, and he's he, like, trying to get the hell out of there. Yeah. And he's and like the thing about him doing memory charms is like more of an aside because he's just like. It's like, there's one thing I'm good at. It's memory charms, which, by the way, like, fuck you, I'm going to do one to you, as opposed to, like, I've been planning this all along, you know? Like, it's it's a lot better that he's just kind of, like, at the end of his rope and is just like, all right, fuck you, I got to get out of here. Mm-hmm. Um, um, then when they go to the bathroom with Lockhart and they open up the ridiculous chamber, uh, we see the toilet basilisk. We get a close-up of the toilet basilisk. Hell yeah. Uh, and the incredibly loud music blasting as the as the chamber opens um it's very dramatic uh yeah i'm just gonna yeah yeah it's it's a a lot (laughs) thank you john williams (laughs) who's gonna tell him now huh um well yeah i mean if it had been the the fucking imperial march would anyone (laughs) have complained (laughs) 
Well, no. also, isn't it really similar? Hang on. Isn't that super? I'm going to need to compare some stuff. Isn't that super similar to the Emperor's theme? Perhaps. Burr, burr, burr. Yeah. Um, uh, <laughs> I'm going to have to check this out. Uh, I'm just going to fast forward a lot here. We all know what happens, but we got to talk about um, uh, uh, Tom Riddle, which we didn't even talk about before because his scene with ha- like young Hagrid is so fucking bad. It's just worthless. Uh, it's just all so fucking worthless. I hate yeah. I hate this book. I hate it. We've, we've been talking about this movie for 90 minutes. We skipped over the like one clue about Voldemort. It was because we don't fucking care. It's so bad. Yeah. Uh, yeah. The, uh, so here he is he's here um he's so boring he's very boring he is uh immediately obviously a bad guy um he we still get the it's a little i think it's a little less funny than in the book just because in the book it was like literally two pages of him (laughs) going back and forth with harry about like am i a bad guy Ooh, i don't know like that, that, (laughs) that was condensed here um but he's just like so boring and non-threatening and then when they like try to make the anagram solving thing uh dramatic i just couldn't handle it it was it was so uh like come on he like writes it with his finger in the air like (laughs) i mean what what were they gonna do yeah there's i guess there's like what are they gonna do just not fucking do it like like it's rewrite this it's bad he he writes his full ass name in the air and then rearranges them while while (laughs) plays again like (laughs) um but and then we fight a cool basilisk uh yeah i will say the snake is pretty fucking cool like snake is awesome uh i think uh daniel radcliffe does a good job i i just i'm a little bit just i really appreciate the actors like the kids are just so cute and and the difference for me in the basilisk action scene between the book where i just feel like harry is a non-entity mm-hmm. and seeing daniel radcliffe like run around and and do these like fun i mean he's just like clearly having a great time and uh, you know, gets to gets to sword fight a big, huge puppet snake. It's yeah. just very charming. So I I actually liked all of that a lot. I I it's one of these. I wish that the movie was less full of of like overlong action sequences, and we could have had a longer snake fight almost. Like, mm-hmm. um, because I like for one thing, it just looks fucking cool. Like even the like, it, so it's mostly um like when it first appears and it's like crawling out it's like when you see its full body it's cgi um and it's pretty good cgi for something that is like 15 16 years old at this point right um Mm -hmm. but the puppet version that they built is so fucking awesome like like all the close-ups of it um and like a bunch of the scenes where he's like fighting it and you just see its head most of the time it's like a full gigantic animatronic thing and it's so awesome like really yeah, they cool did a, they did a really good job with it and there was a funny interview that we watched with chris columbus who apparently had to be talked into having an animatronic <laughs> yeah uh, which is funny because it was clearly the right choice thank you guy whoever yeah whoever uh, it was convinced who convinced chris, chris columbus chris, do you think they like sat him down and were like hey chris columbus have you heard of a little movie called fucking jurassic park 
or something <laughs> like like it's like yeah i am i am i don't know dinosaurs are a little fruity i ain't seen that one like like what like <laughs> why would he need to be convinced to like talked into this for one thing a puppet is way fucking cheaper than cgi cgi is way more expensive um, yeah and i think he said he was like i wasn't so sure i thought we should just do it in cg but then they told me that they thought that D- dan radcliffe would be able to act off of a puppet better and it's like yeah yeah you, no you, shit you fucking idiot <laughs> yeah no no shit well it's especially because you've already had to like have this kid act against a a another tennis ball for dobby right yeah. like imagine if they had done that for the basilisk scene where he's like supposed to be afraid of a giant snake like uh okay this tennis ball uh it's on a string and it's a giant 10 ton snake so look real scared like i don't know man <laughs> i don't think that's gonna fly um yeah I, I i i think it looks fucking awesome i think there's some like legitimately great like tense moments in this uh it it, it looks really it's badass and so is Fox when he comes and drops a hat on Harry. Fox has kind of a chicken body. Yeah, the fox. Can we talk about the fox puppet? Uh, okay, the fox puppet. Puppet. Puppet is very good. I don't know why his body is a chicken, though. Yeah. I, yeah. I mean, like, phoenixes aren't real birds, so I guess it's up to interpretation, right? But he really just does look like a big rooster, which. Yeah. Is, the, is face, the face is very good the face is very um kind of dinosaur like and yeah um very very good very good puppet Does good puppets cry. in this movie uh, even your bird is crying um <laughs> uh, i was so bummed though that the hat just materialized the sword for harry instead of it falling on his head and nearly killing him <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I was like, how are they going to shoot this? And the answer is, for once, they're just not going to. Which I fair, like, I feel like that was so stupid in the book. Like, doing that in the movie would be bizarre. The sword um, prop is terrible. Oh my god, the sword is so fucking funny. I guess it had to be because, like, while well, we're filming this with live actors, it needs to be a sword that Daniel Radcliffe can pick up, right? So that's probably yeah, the reasoning and, behind it. And swing around, like, like in that so. Uh, in the movie for anyone that doesn't remember he the like final showdown with the basilisk is is he climbs up onto the big statue of salazar slytherin and he's he's up there and he takes some hearty swings at that snake like i think he does a a great job um so i guess the sword had to be pretty uh child-sized and and safe for him to do that with yeah i i feel like what they should have done is maybe like have a child-sized one for him for those scenes and then when it's in close-ups and like it's not an action scene make it a real sword you know like yeah because we get a close-up of it in doubler's office later and it's just like the dumb and then it's supposed to be like an ancient sword right and it's just like it's so it's like just a dinky little little short a, sword and it has it says godric gryffindor on it in the harry potter <laughs> font yeah it's okay yeah so for one uh yeah it's so godric gryffindor is what what like it was a thousand years ago right like with something he, like they that founded yeah. the school so it sh- i mean it, it should be a like a, with the name godric gryffindor we're we're thinking like european guy right sure. the interpretations there have been for this sword have been so fucking funny the the book chapter illustration it's a goddamn scimitar like 
it's like a jewel encrusted scimitar that Dumbledore is holding, which is really funny. Um, then in the movie, it's like it it like tapers so much that it it looks like a was weird like it looks like those things when you like go to the mall and there's a sword store there and like it's like yeah and it's the smallest one that you can buy (laughs) it's the smallest wall sword you can buy at the mall it's so weird it's just like just make a fucking sword like i don't know why that was so difficult it's like bright silver shiny polished and has the uh yes like the the name godric gryffindor not even really engraved more like stamped out of like in the blade uh yeah, in the Harry in Potter all font. caps in all caps it is so fucking funny um and it, like whenever like when dumbledore picks it up it looks like a fucking letter opener like yes um so that was weird for sure um uh snake defeated uh kind of gory honestly there's the eyes I, I i did like that the eye biting scene was all in shadow i thought that was kind of a cool touch yes because i because that is super gross and i definitely do not want to see anything other than a shadow <laughs> on the wall um but, but he like rams the sword through the top of his skull and it's a bloody sword which i'm yeah. i was not expecting like real real uh violent stuff yeah then they fly out the chamber they go to dumbledore's office and then lucia shows up um then there's the worst exchange in the movie which is jason isaac saying let us hope that mr potter is always around to save the day and then we zoom in on daniel radcliffe that little that little impy fucker going don't worry i will be okay let's establish something i think this is like a, a universal law in in the world 12-year-olds just can't be badass. No, they can't. They just can't. I... It's it is <laughs> it just can't fucking happen. Like don't ever try to take a 12-year-old in a movie and make them be like have some kind of badass one-liner. They try it's it not... so many times in this movie. It's so bad. The uh the dueling club has the uh scared Potter you wish scene like really dramatic as opposed to them just being like little kids talking shit at each other um but yeah this Dumbledore's office scene with with him getting one over on on Lucius Malfoy is just ugh, so bad leave leave the badass one-liners to Snape please please that's all um, I am interested in and then freeing Dobby um when I, I will say the sock ruse makes way more sense here uh, because <laughs> he hides it in the book instead of putting the book in the sock or whatever. Uh, that that makes a little bit more sense. Um, yeah, good good change. What makes a little less sense is when Jason Isaacs, when he realizes what Harry has done, he raises his wand and starts to say Avada Kedavra. <laughs> He's just gonna murder Harry in, in the hallway. The school at hallway. School. What, what uh, was his plan? Yeah. So I have a question for you, and maybe I will have to look this up. But had Goblet of Fire come out yet? Yes, Goblet of Fire came out in two thousand um, or two thousand one. Um, but it would have been out at this point. Um, the the doldrums was in between 
Goblet of Fire and uh, uh, Order of the Phoenix, which is 2003, I think. I guess because I, I was going to say that the only explanation for for Lucius Malfoy trying to kill Harry was that this was like a little little Easter egg if Goblet of Fire hadn't come out yet because you know J.K. Rowling like told the filmmakers some, yeah. some little things about future books that that were unknown so they could incorporate that in and be like a little callback and be like oh he was actually trying to use this spell, but Goblet of Fire was already out, so... Yeah, that's a little weird. <sighs> well, I want to see that movie. I want to see the movie where, where Lucius Malfoy murders Harry Potter in the hallway, and then, like, has to get out of Hogwarts. Like, what the fuck? <laughs> yeah. Uh, then it just becomes a... Die Hard, with him, like, crawling through pipes and stuff. I kind of want that movie. Yeah. That's... Wow. So I, I don't know. I just I do not like that edition. That's because a it weird just seems change. it seems very stupid for who I think otherwise is like a pretty pretty fun villain in this movie. Yeah. Um and then the here's how the movie ends, which is why I wanted to save this like Hagrid table Hagrid <laughs> discussion for a little bit. So they they all meet in the Great Hall for a big feast, hair and Gryffindor wins the house cup and blah blah blah. So Hagrid went to prison uh to like to placate the Ministry of Magic. Mm-hmm. Um and then he walks back in and then the entire end of the movie is everyone losing their shit and clapping for Hagrid as he walks in. And like st- he gets a standing ovation, everyone runs up to hug him is baffling. Like, Everyone is cheering. The teachers are are hooting and hollering. Um, it goes on for what feels like five minutes. Well, I know it isn't, but like it is endless. And is this is this where is this why everyone remembers Hagrid as so cuddly? Like like in pop culture, is it like this scene the one that's ingrained in everyone's memory? Like everyone fucking loves Hagrid. Like here, like it's. Also, this is like a a real like soundtrack nerd complaint here. It is playing Harry's theme while everyone is <laughs> clapping for Hagrid. Like it's blaring Harry's theme uh, over the ending while they're all like running over to give Hagrid a big hug. It is so weird. Like th- like this is the shot they chose to close the movie on. Um, I, again. Is this Robbie Coltrane? Is this who's like, like, I'm going to walk from these movies unless we get to do some reshoots. And I want the ending to be me walking in and everyone <laughs> losing their goddamn minds. It's it's so weird. Um, and here's I guess here's my theory about this. OK. I think that this when this movie was made was the height of of people clapping at the end of movies. I think that the, <laughs> I I think the scene was put in for the audience in the theater to clap. <laughs> so the audience can clap while everyone else is yes, clapping. Yes, because Fucking every perfect. every student is clapping. Like why are that's it's people like don't do so that. So many shots. It's shots of everyone clapping. Students are clapping, the teachers are clapping. There's like a shot where it like shows like, "Oh, even Snape is clapping." Like, I mean, he's got, he got like a grimace, but he's doing it and like everyone is so stoked for Haggard to come back. Yeah. Uh, no, that's that's my theory. This this I scene was there so that 
the theater goers would stand up and clap. So stand up and clap and not feel bad about disturbing anyone. I yeah. I think that's genius. That that's one hundred percent what it is. Um, <laughs> uh, like Hermione shows up. Hermione shows up before that too, and like Harry and and Ron are happy to see her or whatever. But then like Hagrid walks in, and just steals that thunder completely. Like yeah, you have to like, clap. Oh, for you're Hagrid. happy. You're th- you're happy that Hermione's back. Well, guess what? The big man is in the house. Like, <laughs> Um, also they're big, big feasts, whatever. They got magic food. There are too many peas on the table. that are just like, here's a, here's a pound of peas. Not even. There's five pounds of peas. Way more than a fucking pound. That's like when, when you're mixing a salad for like a dinner party and you're like, like this salad needs to serve like four people and you get one of those gigantic metal bowls that you mix it in. That is, it is full to the brim of peas like you, you, you want some fucking peas like that one bowl of peas in this movie could probably serve every kid at that feast but they have like multiple bowls of peas everywhere and it, it was like I, I think that was just like where i was at the end of this like three hour movie but that was like the first thing i noticed was that there were just <laughs> We're way too many goddamn peas. To be fair, it is a long scene of clapping for Hagrid where nothing else is going on. Nothing else so you is going look on. around and it's like, damn, that's a lot of peas. There's so many peas. Um, so that's the movie, I guess. Uh, and it was all right. They did the best they could. Yeah, very loyal to the book, which is bad. <laughs> yes, I would say. But, but loyal, but it's still. Even Christopher Columbus in his like staunch loyalty could not justify some of the shit that they cut out. And I'm glad. Yeah, I'm like glad Harry's entire not. character arc being Harry, completely, Harry's completely insane. Yeah. Who am I, Hedwig? <laughs> what am I? God. Yeah. Um I'm now super curious. So 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 we said this about the book, but like now the now that we've had the revelation had our eyes open to the fact that that chamber of secrets is bad i am so curious a what the the book experience of ask band is going to be like b the movie because the movie is the one that everyone says like diverges the most from the books right like it is just kind of its own fucking movie almost yeah yeah um, um i think people either love it or hate it kind of yeah yeah because it is I, just we... so different yeah, when we started this, I did not expect to hate Chamber of Secrets. Me either. This, that is either. that is my that is my biggest surprise so far doing this, um, and and to look forward into to Prisoner of Azkaban, which is uh, probably the book and movie that I loved the most mm-hmm. uh, as a kid. I'm I'm scared and excited. Yeah, it's 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 I'm yeah. I kind of have some trepidations. Like, am I going to ruin this for myself? Is this are my perfect memories of this book and movie going to be shattered, or is it actually still going to be very good? Um, I'm very I'm very excited to to dig into that stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but there you have it. Do you have any closing thoughts on this film? Uh, any any? Um, Snape was very handsome in it. He was he so get- good. He didn't get nearly enough enough screen time. I guess he didn't really do much in the book either. He didn't really. No. I don't think there was even a potions class. Oh no, there was because they had to steal the ingredients for the polyjuice potion. Which oh, was we didn't get movie. that scene. Nope, yeah. no firework in the cauldron. Um, mm-hmm. 
the movie was fine, I guess. Yeah. That's honestly it's it's okay. Um I guess like in my chamber of secrets closing, I would like to uh, kind of harken back to what we talked about when we first started the chamber of secrets, which was people who skip philosopher's stone and start chamber of secrets. Oh um, yeah. And, and even people that, uh, that I read about that do lots of rereads of the entire series will oftentimes skip philosopher's stone and go right to chamber of secrets. I think that if I was a person that was doing a lot of rereads, um, I will never read Chamber of Secrets again. <laughs> Ever. Yeah. No, I'm with you there. I don't think I ever have a reason to reread this book. So start with yeah. Prisoner of Azkaban, maybe. Start with... Just read, Just the, read... read the wiki read... about Chamber of Secrets. But you know what you could do? What's that? You could read another book. Please read another book.